Hey, strangers. This is Krista. With me is Kurt. And welcome to episode nine. Nine episodes nine already. Nine of the strange sessions. I'm so excited. Episode 10 is right around the corner, and I feel like that's always a milestone. When yeah, you're 10 is a big one. It is. I remember, you know, thinking that our third or fourth was going to be crazy, but we're actually at 10 now. I know. Considering we record every other week. Yeah. It feels like it came pretty fast. Yeah, so. it really did. Uh, we hope you guys are enjoying our season so far. I wanted to mention that if you are listening, you should uh, visit our Facebook page and join our group called The Strangers. It's a discussion group that we created on Facebook so that people who, it's a private group, of course, you just have to request to join, but we're having discussions about the episodes and things that people are finding online related to the episodes, and it's pretty cool. I think private groups are better because then everybody uh, that you're friends with won't see you when you respond to something yeah. on there. Like, what are you talking about? This Let your freak leg fly Who's this J-Rod alien that you're commenting <laughs> yeah. on, you know? Yeah. It's always kind of cool. There's uh, there's a little bit of a sense of a community too when you have. There's a actually been group pretty like good that. discussion on there lately with with the missing persons cases. You yeah. know, Nicole, my friend Nicole was talking on there, and Sarah. Yeah. So yeah. Very cool. So thank you guys for joining and share it with your friends if you'd like to share the podcast. We're excited that people are listening at all. So we're still getting various feedback about our volume levels. Yeah, like some I people don't say know. it's too loud. Some people say it's not loud enough. I say. Turn your phone down. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not techie enough to figure out what's going on, but we're working on it. I think we've improved. We have our engineers looking at it. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> at least we're, um, one of us isn't super quiet and the other one's super loud because that is Yeah, but I've noticed, like you pointed out, that especially when somebody else is here, I tend to turn away from the microphone yeah. when I'm talking to them. So now I'm trying to focus on... You have to be very cognizant of where the microphone, where the microphone is. is. Yeah. So we're trying to get better with that. We're not like professionals and not by stuff. any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, maybe someday. I have been doing this for a year, but that doesn't make me a, prof- <laughs> a professional. Um, yeah, we're working on it, guys, but we appreciate the feedback. So keep it coming. Um, I wanted to thank Jamie for joining us on the last episode. Thank you, Jamie. And Kurt and I were talking that we didn't even like take the time to talk about the fact that he created our intro and outro music and how amazing that is. I mean, how did we not mention I that? I don't know. We were just kind of like, yeah, Jamie's here. So Area 51. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was. Basically. So, <laughs> but he'll yeah. be back on. He comes home, I think, twice a year. Good. So He was a good guest. I yeah, think he, he was. So insights. he will be back on. And yeah, look for that book that he talked about. I can't remember the name. I, f- I feel like I should have written it down or something. Oh, it's music. It's a long one. Yeah. The music in Walt Disney animated films from something to something. <laughs> That's the part <laughs> I can't remember. So yeah, well, we did we post a link to that on the Facebook page? No, okay, I we will. We need to do that. We are terrible, we, we suck. terrible I, uh, people. <laughs> my friend, uh, this is just going to be a quick shout out. My okay. friend Stephanie and her hubby Joe listen to the podcast and they love it but she's a big twitter person and i get at least a text from her every couple days yelling at me we have to a twitter do something account, right? we have a twitter it's just a it's like a empty like pictures of tumbleweeds blowing crickets chirping there's like nothing there you know what's funny though once you establish a twitter account and start posting something like our paranormal palaver um twitter account we nobody does anything with it if i post to instagram i copy twitter yeah we've got like 900 some followers they just keep following and following and i'm like where are these people coming from i'm not yeah. even posting anything yeah. so you just need to get some posts on there yeah. and some content and maybe follow some people that you know like jim harold or whoever you know you're into we get a lot of comments on our youtube videos and i'm bad with responding to, to them so i need those. to do that too 
I don't even look at those. I need to I need to copy you in there so you get notified too when there's yeah, a Yeah, that'd be great. Clearly we are not professionals. Yeah. We're <laughs> getting we're getting there. We're, we're dropping getting... so many balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a gymnasium in yeah. here. Okay. Well, again, thank you, Jamie. It was so cool to meet you and have you on the show and we'll have you back soon. Um updates on that Twitter. Oh yeah, story? the one that Sarah sent to us. Uh I know we had it posted on our on our page. I know there's been but discussion the, yeah, on the, our group. The guy has it updated it, and now he's apparently getting weird phone calls and stuff. So there've been pictures added. Yeah, I'm trying to keep up with that, but it's I don't know. I'm starting to smell hoax. Hoaxy. I'm yeah. starting to smell experimental writing something. Yeah. Oh, could be. Well, stay tuned. If we if anything cool, I know that people in our group have been posting. The strangers have been posting about it, so we'll we'll keep you updated. Um, I have an an update on the whole Chicago Mothman sighting situation. So anyone, if you're into the paranormal as a investigator, you've probably heard of Jim Harold. He's been um, doing podcasting about the paranormal for I don't decades maybe. He's been around a really long. I really time. like his podcast. We yeah, should try I to get too. him on our show. Oh sure. <laughs> he actually follows uh, Paranormal Palaver on really? Twitter. Really? <laughs> he doesn't follow ours yet. Yeah. Well, you don't have any posts. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> or pictures? Is there even a picture of us on no. Twitter? No. Okay, yeah, we I should probably do that. It's just like the stock. Yeah, we were pretty picture. excited when he followed us. I I don't even know what that was about, but thanks, Jim Harold. Anyway, he has. There's a couple different podcasts, um, but this one in particular is the Paranormal Podcast with Jim Harold. He had a guest on named Lon Strickler, who hosts a website called phantomsandmonsters.com. And he has been tracking and receiving a lot of these reports that are coming out of Chicago. There have been 40 sightings in 2017 so far of this Mothman-like creature. It is crazy. Um, Most describe the creature as being seven-plus feet tall with wings, of course, but the... In this version, they're more like bat wings, like the membrane type wings, which I think that there are two different types of yeah, wings. Yeah, it sounds like there's two different types of and wings. And so this one, this creature apparently has more of the membrane type. Um, and some describe seeing the red glowing eyes. Some don't notice any eyes at all. But most of the encounters, of course, have been really brief. But even the police are getting calls about this. So then you have to wonder how much of it is suggestion where they're reading stuff and then they see something that they don't know exactly what it is. So right away it's Mothman. Or people just want to be in on the story. And so they're making stuff up. I mean, who knows? So this guy theorizes that they're interdimensional beings and that there's actually more than one. He thinks there's at least three because of the number of sightings and the timing and how far spread out they are in and around chicago i guess it's possible yeah especially if it's yeah i don't know it's interesting i'm not sure how i feel about the whole mothman thing it still seems like one of those you know far-fetched legend yeah like an urban legend or but this has been going on for decades yeah and it's been in news coverage and i don't know he this guy lon right ron lon lon strickler thinks that the whole harbinger of you know, bad events coming, whatever. That's a whole bunch of bull hockey, he thinks. Yeah. He doesn't think it's <laughs> kind of think that it really, is too. Yeah, it's kind of a coincidence. Yeah. So so that's a, just an update on that. Um, bull hockey? Bull hockey. I may have made that up. It's cool. It's a Christaism. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have anything else in housekeeping? Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention is that I got a Facebook message from Sarah McFarlane. She's our 
Canadian stranger. I think she's our one and only Canadian stranger. Hello, Sarah. But Sarah's awesome. But she sent me a notice that I was surprised that I never saw before that starting September 30th at 9 p.m. Eastern, which would be, what time what would that be our time? I don't know either. Sometime between like 5 and 10. Look in your DVR, people. Yeah. <laughs> your, <laughs> check, check your, your DVR. <laughs> but on September 30th on the Oxygen channel, they are going to have a six-part miniseries called the Disappearance of Maura Murray, which is our topic for tonight. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Our timing is pretty good on this. Yeah, it is. But uh, Sarah McFarlane was, you know, she wanted us to do Maura Murray from she's the start the because she's like a hardcore yeah. missing person, crime more Murray buff. Yeah, so. I think we were talking on the strangers group last night. She and I were talking mm-hmm. about missing person stuff. Very so yeah, cool. she sent me that. So if you're interested mm-hmm. in what you hear tonight, and I don't know how you wouldn't be, yeah, uh, check out that show starting September 30th on the Oxygen Network or Oxygen Channel called The Disappearance of More Murray. Cool. And I give all of my credit to my interest in this case to the Missing Mora Murray podcast. I don't know exactly when that podcast started, but I stumbled upon it one day and I was absolutely hooked. I have to say, uh, are we going right into the more Murray stuff? We could. I okay. mean, I, we're, we're through all of our housekeeping. I gave a shout out so. to Stephanie and Joe. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm giving a shout out to the Missing Maura Murray podcast because <laughs> they definitely got me into this yeah. case for sure. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, it is really good. But as it goes on, it's getting kind of... I think like they've run out of stuff to talk about. running out of stuff to talk about. I mean, there's only so much evidence in this case and so many theories that you can talk about. There have been no developments. But so. where I found out about this was a crack.com. I think it was an article called like the five creepiest YouTube videos. Oh, is that that guy? And one of them was the guy. Uh, I'll put a, by the time you listen to this, I'll put it on the yeah. Facebook page. We're not going to mention it too much because it's, I guess the guy was cleared. But yeah, on, but it's weird. On the anniversary, <laughs> on one of the anniversaries of her disappearance, this creepy dude put up a video where it's like a minute of him just looking into the camera and laughing, and at the end he winks, and then it says "Happy Anniversary." Yeah, and the the screen name he's using was one one two dirtbag. Yeah, and one one two was the highway she was she disappeared on. on, and her dad said that he thought bag, yeah. some local dirtbag killed her, <clears throat> and his name was one one two dirtbag. Yeah, and, and so then he also posted other ones, like he had a picture of a ski lift ticket. Oh, and he had the, he posted another one that was like a weird symbol, and fi- somebody finally realized that the symbol was like a view of the lodge at that ski resort taken from above. Okay. So he was basically trying to say that she's buried <clears throat> at this ski, at lodge. ski lodge. Yeah. So I read a little bit about that guy because someone was able to figure out who he yeah. was, at least online. And he's just he's a nut just, job. Well, he's hardcore into these weird missing yeah. persons cases and yeah. has like really outlandish theories about them. I think he's just like some eccentric guy Yeah, but on this the thing internet. with like laughing on the anniversary. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Nice. I mean, that's, yeah. it's sort of insensitive and creepy and... Uh, when I found that crack.com list and I saw that, I kind of briefly looked up Maura Murray and I was like, oh. And when we talked about that this was going to be one of our next episodes, 
you know, a lot of our listeners and my friends that listen to the episode get back to me and talk about how they went down the rabbit hole of like the missing 411 mm-hmm. or the J-Rod, the alien thing. And in this case, I totally went down the Maura Murray rabbit hole <laughs> in yeah. the last two weeks. <clears throat> that is almost all I have done is, yeah, I've just been binging on the podcasts, on the missing Maura Murray podcasts, looking up everything I can find online. And it's just crazy. I mean, yeah. I understand why people are so fascinated by this because every possibility, there's like other things that shoot that possibility kind mm-hmm. of out of the water. So there's you no just don't know. There's, there's no perfect yeah. fit and you don't know what happened to her. Yeah. So why don't we why don't we get into the timeline? So it's the, here's a funny story. I printed out this timeline timeline leading up to disappearance and i'm looking at it and i'm reading something and kurt basically finishes my sentence and we realize we've just printed out the same timelines i mean how many websites popped up that you could choose from i looked through several and i was like ah none of these look very good and so i printed this one out and and it's weird that for some reason the word (laughs) what is it woman i don't know if the word woman woman is always changed to the word steak Which makes absolutely no sense because I was reading about a steak with blonde hair and I'm like, what? (laughs) I would send that back to the the waiter. It's like some twisted version of Mrs. Potato Head. Yeah. So And they keep calling her car, which we it's a black a black Saturn. Saturn. But they they keep keep calling it a cook cook. Saturn. So apparently cook means black and steak means woman. Yeah. And now Kurt really wants a steak. Yeah. So it was like fun. I was like trying to decode this whole article (laughs) while I was reading it. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> so anyway, so the this timeline starts with um, obviously some things that happened that the people who have been researching this and following this feel are somehow significant or related to the case. I totally think the things way. that happened before the accident yeah. are significant. <clears throat> there, There's a lot of strange things that happen where if you look at them by themselves, they're probably not all that remarkable but when you add it all together as as a quick aside before we start this that got me to wondering like if i disappeared Mm -hmm. you know i i do weird things all the time (laughs) and you know the thing is i'm i like to think of myself as a good guy like i don't do a lot of like sketchy things right but it just makes me wonder like what they would dredge up up yeah what things would get picked apart if i just disappeared right yeah exactly because they you know i watch a ton of the id channel and they always talk about when someone goes missing or is murdered, the events leading up to the disappearance of the murder are some of the most important things that you can look at. Yeah. And so everything seems significant. But then, you know, like an interview. Uh, Would you I'll, want I'll them to her. delete your browser history? My friend Miranda, she already knows to crush my phone, crush my laptop, get rid of all that stuff. That's great. But uh, we'll get to her later but there's a woman named Karen McNamara that happened to be on that road when this happened and you know she her story became part of it but then that just makes me think that like driving here I could have just randomly passed Mm -hmm. a car on the side of the road and then I could have ended up getting dragged into this crazy mystery so it's it's just weird to me that something as simple as driving home can can lead you to being a suspect for for somebody's disappearance right and I think that it comes down to being the perfect storm of just weird circumstances yeah. that bring you to that place at that time. And that's a, a thing that I noticed about the Missing More Murray podcast, that there's these theories that people come up with and they say, I just don't feel like the things that would have to come together for that to be what happened. But 
that's what happens with these people. Those situations happen all the time. That's why they're on TV. That's why TV shows and podcasts are covering them because something crazy happened. Yep. So I don't think it's so far fetched to consider a lot of the stuff that they talk about. Yeah. So okay. I I do hope there is one day resolution of this because I would really like to know what happened to her. I think tons of people would and her family and it amazes me how the online community about this are like horrible to each other where mm. people are just mean about this. Like if you don't agree with their opinion. Oh, right. And yeah. then what else kind of I well, noticed I like is that. the internet in general. Yeah. But a lot of these people, like a lot of people really strongly dislike James Renner. Mm. And he's like he's one the of the. He's He's like right? one of the lead. He's, a, he's the, the author. He's like the one oh, that's right. uh, really investigating this. Yeah. And the guys that do the missing more Missing Maura Murray podcast, a lot yeah. of people hate them because they don't agree with. But then on the other hand, when you start looking into this, it's almost like you get an idea in your head of what happened and you don't want to stray from that idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I've basically had every one of these possible theories like that's what happened. Oh, for sure. And then it changes and now I kind of don't know what I think happened. Because you always have to take a step back and look at it from a different angle yeah. and then you stop and say, well, wait a minute. Okay. That maybe, you know, it's just there's so many different possible explanations for what happened to her that are all kind of plausible. Yeah. That's what's then so there's, kind of there's little things that kind of shoot each one of those down. Yeah. Or make you question whether or not that right. happened. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into the timeline. So Thursday, February 5th, 2004. So I just added a couple things that I heard. I listened to like an updated episode of Missing Maura Murray today. So I think Billy must be her boyfriend. Yes, Billy's her boyfriend. So at 7.17 p.m., February 5th, 2004, she has a 20-minute phone call with him. She started her shift at 7 that night, not supposed to be on her cell phone at work. So a lot of people speculate because she talked to him, I think, four times within two hours of starting her shift that night, which is kind of odd. Yeah. Like everybody's like, well, there must have been something major going on or... You know, what? a couple of the phone calls were just like a minute or two, like they were trying to call each other, leave a voicemail, whatever it was. So whether or not that's something, I don't know. But it's some phone calls come to play into this. So yes, that's why I'm do. mentioning it. Um, later that night, she talks to her older sister, Kathleen. I think it's Kathleen. Yeah. During a slow time um, at work. And she works at some kind of, it's the security yeah, like office the, for like UMass. Yeah, like the security office for UMass. She's, okay. She works, I think, behind the desk. Yeah, I don't think she's like a yeah. security officer. Yeah. Um, they talk about guy problems, I guess, that from her sister's perspective. I'm not sure exactly what was going on. I'm not sure it matters. Um, but her sister, in you know later conversations, didn't notice anything abnormal about her. Um, later that night, I believe it's the same night, or it's be early the next morning, a male UMass student is found seriously injured at the intersection of Triangle and Mattoon Streets in Amherst. And the injuries appear to be either from being hit or thrown from an automobile. And, of course, there's no vehicle around, so it was a hit and run if that yep. is what happened. That was Petrie Bassey. <clears throat> yes, thank you. Though there were some theories that Mora may have been involved, it's kind of unlikely because she was in the middle of a shift at a dormitory check. Uh, the check-in desk, that's what it was. She worked the check-in desk with UMass Student Security. So I'm not sure how, if that is tied. I mean, if they could verify that she actually was on the premises at work, how could she have been involved? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So later that same um, early morning, but the same shift, she gets a phone call at work and becomes so distraught that her supervisor has to escort her back to her dorm. And the only words that she can say because she's like sobbing are my sister. Yes. So she has two sisters, um, Kathleen, and I don't know who the other, what the other one's name is. I didn't write that down. Um, but we've never found out if anything actually nope. happened with that. Nope. So, but something major must have been going on for her to be so upset they had to escort her home. They didn't even trust her to get there by herself. Yeah. So who knows what that was? I guess she was totally beside herself. <laughs> yeah. But both of her sisters are fine. Yep. So <laughs> I'm not sure what that was about. I'll get into that with my theory, with my okay, personal theory. It seems pretty significant. Though. Yeah. Obviously, yes. something significant happened there. So sometime after that date, it says time unknown, um, she goes shopping for a used car with her dad because her Saturn is having problems. Um, her... Her father and her have dinner with a friend. And it's funny, later that night after they've been car shopping, and they point out in the podcast that no, they never even talk about the fact that they've been car shopping yeah, all day, yeah. which does seem a little odd. I mean, if I'm shopping for a car, I'm probably talking to a couple of my friends about it. Yeah. You know, Their friend they went to, to dinner, dinner with. with is Kate Markopoulos. She comes up a lot in the stuff that I read. Okay. She has two friends that show up all the time, and those are Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alfieri. She was part of a really tight-knit with the, group of those girlfriends. those three. Yeah. So those three come up a lot in some of the theories and okay. a lot of the the background. Okay. But there's a lot about Kate Markopoulos and Sarah, yeah, Sarah Alfieri that I thought was really interesting. Familiar. Um <clears throat> so this is another interesting it, I think it, and I'm not sure how this plays into it but so Mora drops her father off at a hotel room. He's staying in a hotel while they're car shopping and then she takes his brand new Toyota Corolla and goes back to uh, a party on campus there's, with there's, Kate, yeah, right? Yeah, with Kate and Sarah. And the interesting thing... there's a thing, lot of... From what I was like listening to, it was just a couple people together talking. Party. But when, when you have like two or three people talking and having a beer or whatever and somebody calls it a party, right. all of a sudden you assume it's, it's like some a big, big rave. House. Yeah. yeah, it's like some big, <laughs> it's a some big rager. Well, and something that a lot of people pointed out was that she was having drinks with her dad and her friend and then her dad let her drive his car. Yeah. So she was drinking and driving, yeah. basically. I don't know if she was intoxicated, but yeah. th this comes into play later. Um, so then early Sunday morning, so we started with February 5th, 2004. Now we're up to Sunday, February 8th, 2004. This is later that night or early the next morning after she drops her dad off and they go to this party. She leaves her friend's dorm after this party and heads to her father's hotel room. And on her way there at 3.30 a.m., she hits a guardrail while driving her father's new car on Route 9 in Hadley. No charges were filed by the police, and the damages totaled $8,000, um, and she appeared to be shaken and upset and apologetic about it. A lot of people say it's suspicious that she probably had obviously been drinking, but they let her go. Yeah. That, you know, they didn't... Did they check her for it? Right. And I guess, uh, I don't know if it was the guys that do the Missing Maura Murray podcast or James Renner. But one of them interviewed at the cop, and when they asked him why did he let her go, mm -hmm. he hung up. Oh. He, he wouldn't answer. Okay. Yeah. That is suspicious, yeah. which kind of comes into some of the theories later. Yeah. Right? Okay. 
So later that morning, just a few hours later, um, she calls her boyfriend who is stationed in Oklahoma. So I'm assuming he must be in the military. Yes. Okay. From her father's cell phone, time unknown. So, and it doesn't talk about this in here, but she went back to his, her father's hotel room after this accident yeah. happened. And like, there's a lot got of, let into the room. Yeah. After there's a lot of uncertainty. The there's yeah. a lot of uncertainty what happened mm-hmm. because he doesn't remember her. He said that, in. I guess he went down to the lobby in the morning and she was sleeping in a chair. But then there's phone records that show she called her boyfriend from, from her dad's room. phone at like four in the morning when he was sleeping, when he right was sleeping and if his her. phone was in the room. So there's a lot of like stuff that doesn't add a up. lot of stuff that doesn't add up. They're just talking. Okay, so later that morning and nothing really comes of that. But later that morning, um, they make phone calls about the auto insurance and whether or not it's going to cover the damages that to the car that she just, you know, was driving. Um, later on, it says time unknown. Fred rents a car and drops Mora off at UMass and heads to Connecticut for work later that night. And I think the reason they're including this because they're making plans to get the necessary forms and taking care of this and that. So they're making future plans, plans. which is kind of important to point out. Yeah. Um, because that'll of course, again, play into one of the theories, uh, looking at her computer hard drive history, they can see that, and it says from New Hampshire State Police Troop F Commander Lieutenant John Scarinza's Scarinza, something like that. <laughs> uh, the inspection of her hard drive, she did a search for information on Berkshires, which is that like a resort? It's or? like a resort condominium okay. kind of place. So then, okay, nothing really comes of that. No reservations were nope. made or anything. Um, so now we're up to Monday, February 9th. Uh, she calls for information around one o'clock that day about a condominium in Bartlett, New Hampshire, that her family's stayed at before. Um, the call lasts only three minutes, but no condo was rented. No. At one o'clock, she sends her boyfriend an email stating that she hasn't felt like talking to anyone, but that she'll call him later that day. She calls and leaves a voicemail for another student, but no significant information came out of that. Uh, at 2.05 p.m., she calls... 1-800-GO-STOW um, for pro- approximately five minutes. Later, research shows this number was out of order on this day and that you couldn't talk to a live person. You would just get a recording to yeah. listen to, probably giving information about what they had available, I'm guessing. 2.18 p.m., she calls her boyfriend, and the call only lasts about one minute. A lot of that, there's been a lot of that yeah. throughout this. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's speculation that they were having some kind of issues. Yeah. And there was a lot of, you know kind of phone take going on because of it and so that's there's some speculation there um four o'clock or possibly earlier she emails this is really significant yeah (laughs) she emails one of her bosses and some of her teachers to inform them that there has been a death in her family and that she would be out of town for several days there was no death in her family nope so okay, she's setting the stage for something here, and and at this lying point, about it. I don't remember if it mentions it in the timeline, but she had the things in her dorm room like boxed up. They yeah. had she had her artwork off the wall. She had a lot of stuff in boxes mm-hmm. in her dorm room, okay. and nobody really knows what to make of that. I think that's pretty obvious. Mm. It plays into one of the theories. Yeah. So between 3.30 and 4.30 p.m., a dorm mate reportedly sees her leaving the campus. That's the first time I had heard of that. Um, 
but sometime then this says 4 p.m. or earlier. So this timeline is kind of strange. Mora goes to an ATM and withdraws $280 from her account, which almost completely wipes it out. Um, and the recipe surveillance. Did you notice yeah. that? <laughs> the recipe. I'm assuming. Uh, Something got mixed up with like a steak <laughs> recipe in this. Right. I, I don't know what recipe is supposed to be. Let's, the, but the surveillance footage shows that she's alone. Um, and she leaves her bank account nearly empty, but she's re- she's due to receive some paychecks in the coming yes. days from her burrito. Yeah. <laughs> <In the coming days. laughs> I bet this is mixed in with a recipe for steak burritos. And somebody's making <laughs> somebody's making burritos, and they're like, "What is Murray? I'm supposed to add Murray to this." Oh my god, <laughs> that's great. Okay. So there's a lot happening around 4 p.m. or earlier or 4 p.m. or later. So uh, clearly there's not some. There's just Oh, not I also clear- don't know if it mentioned this, but a lot of people thought it was significant that before her dad came to see her when he was staying at the hotel. Yeah. That he went around to a bunch of various ATMs and took out a total of $4,000. Oh. And. You don't think that would be to buy a car, though. That's what he said. It was to buy a car. That makes sense. To it me. does, but why then a lot of people, ATMs a lot of people say, it. "Why wouldn't you write out a check? Right? Why wouldn't you go to the bank to take it all out in one lump sum instead of going to like four or five different ATMs that and taking strange. out the max?" So a lot of people think that is somehow significant. Yeah, I don't know if I do. That's a pain in the butt. Why would yeah. you do that? Yeah, that's just like not a logical way to do that. No. If you're planning on buying no. a used car and you need cash, you go to the bank first. You get a cashier's but, check, whatever. The thing is, once once you buy into the notion that her dad is lying or her dad is somehow involved in this, then you start looking at these things as being suspicious. Right, and a lot of people are suspicious. A lot of people of are her suspicious dad, of her dad, Fred Murray. Yeah. By the way, um, okay. So later that day, because they're not clear on the timeline here, she purchases thirty-five to forty dollars worth of alcohol while still in Amherst, Massachusetts. Their surveillance footage, again, shows that she's alone. Um, and then she leaves Amherst and likely heads up Interstate 91 North. Yeah. Did it have the, the <clears throat> boozes in there that she bought? Because she bought a, uh, it was a no. box of wine. Franzia. A box of Franzia. <laughs> a bottle of Kahlua. Yeah. It some was soda. Some soda. I think it was like a six pack of a blue wine cooler. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. And I think there was soda, too, because yeah. that comes... I don't know if they talk about it in here, what's found in the car after the accident. So, I mean, it's a lot of booze. Yeah. Unless you live in Wisconsin, then it's like a Thursday back, night. I mean, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but back in the, you know, I guess in the 2000s, the prices wouldn't have been a whole lot different. Yeah. That's still... That's a lot of alcohol it's a lot for of alcohol. one person. Yeah. She checks her cell phone voice messages shortly after leaving... And then there's a gap in time here of about three hours. When she's driving. Yeah. So at 7.29 p.m., dispatch receives a call from a Woodsville, New Hampshire area resident who reports an accident near her house on Route 112. This is when the big mystery, like what happened, happens. So, and I think that, I believe this is the witness who says that. It looks like there's someone in the passenger yeah. seat smoking a cigarette. But then they also said that her, I think she had a Samsung cell phone, like early, you know, like in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And that model had a red, a red light, light on it that if you were calling somebody or had your phone on, that light would be there. But yeah, okay, that makes sense. 
But they also, she was pretty clear on the fact that they were in the passenger seat, which yeah. is kind of odd. Yeah. And the passenger seat airbag was deployed. Yeah. Which is odd. Yes. And I thought that her witness statement said something about there was a lot of activity going on around outside the, outside the car. Outside around like the trunk, by the trunk, but that was after. Oh, it was after. Yeah. The, okay. So then at 7.43 p.m., dispatch receives a call from another Woodsville, New Hampshire area resident who reports the Saturn partially in the road. And I'm wondering if that would be... I don't think that's Butch. Atwood? It's not Butch uh, no, Atwood? No, I don't think okay. that was Butch. Does the timeline get to Butch? I believe so. I hope so. If not, we'll come back and talk yeah. a, a little bit about Butch. Okay, so six, 7.46 p.m., so just a, three minutes later, the first known police officer arrives on scene um, from the Haverhill Police. Haverhill Police? <laughs> Maybe that was Butch. Why? Why they just kind of? Because they don't mention they, no, they glossed else. over Butch. Right. So he was a bus driver who lived. I have his information here. There were like three or four houses like along this little stretch of this desolate road. Yeah. And okay, so Butch Atwood was a bus driver who was on his way home from his shift. He lived within view of where the accident was. He stopped to see if she needed help, and she kind of pleaded with him not to call anybody yeah, she that said she called already AAA. called triple a and she didn't she didn't right um and there was no reception out there the the host of more missing more murray said to this day there's no phone reception out no. there um so a lot of people were actually suspicious of this guy thinking he was literally the last person who talked to her yeah but but they they say he he was like he was morbidly obese yeah physically he would not have been able to have done anything no with her no and and you would think this woman who had called the first time would have witnessed yeah, that. Yeah, and she was like a big time track star runner, yes. so she would have no problem getting away from yeah, this guy. Yeah, Maura Murray was very athletic, yeah. very accomplished in uh, running. Okay, so the the woman, of course, who was seen by these witnesses, was nowhere to be found. The officers note the car is facing westbound in the eastbound lane, with a cracked windshield and two deployed airbags. A damaged box of Franzia wine is found on the passenger seat. Other items include her AAA card, the insurance form she retrieved for her earlier accident with her dad's car, her gloves, um, CDs, her makeup, directions for Bur Burlington, Vermont, and Stowe, Vermont, and the Nicholas Howe book, Not Without Peril. Oh, and this is really significant. Yeah, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people say that this is like one of the big puzzles, a, but I don't think it is. It, yeah. A rag from her emergency roadside kit was discovered stuffed into the Saturn's muffler pipe. Yeah. And the reason that this is strange is because when the police are talking to Fred about her disappearance, he, without any kind of prompting, comes out and says, oh, by the way, if you find a rag in her muffler, I told her to put it there yeah. because she was having car problems. Yeah, I guess it was smoking. The, like There would be a ton of smoke coming out of the exhaust. Yeah. So he told her to put that... He says that he told her to put that into the exhaust to, so that she wouldn't get pulled over while she was driving that car. And so we have to remember to come back to that because there is a theory about that yeah. too. Um, but the the Missing Maura Murray podcast, a lot of people have written into them saying, well, my so-and-so or I am a mechanic and that's ridiculous. You would never tell anyone to do that. No, because the engine would conk out. You but think then that you have other people who say, well, but if your car is having this kind of problem, that could help. Yeah. So they're very conflicting A lot of people testimony. make a big deal about the, yeah. the rag being in right. the exhaust pipe. It's, and it's odd that he just... 
what was sort it? of volunteer the, the way that I read it was that he demanded to see the car yeah. after it was taken away and they said no and that's when he said by the way there's a rag so no it was almost like he was gonna he wanted, he to wanted see if to, it was there if he first. could take it out like yeah. if he could get it out well, that could be too which is kind of sketchy yeah but maybe he just didn't want that to be a factor in them trying to figure out what happened to her yeah so yeah, that that was one of the the, the things that is kind of weird and odd about this. Yeah, the rag and the tailpipe. Yeah, seven fifty six p.m. EMS arrives on scene, which of course nobody is there that needs any kind of no. She's gone. Help. She's gone. <laughs> but uh, a fire truck arrives at seven fifty seven, and at some point after that, before eight forty nine p.m., her car is towed to a local auto repair garage you know she she has vanished but the car has been locked from outside oh the doors were locked the doors were locked okay okay i didn't know that yes a couple of the different accounts i read said that the doors were locked well and i've also read that the damage to the car doesn't really match yep. how it was found yep we'll get into that with my theory okay good um <laughs> So the first, okay, 8.02 p.m., EMS clears the scene, and at 9.27, the first officer who had arrived was dispatched to another call. So basically all activity at the accident site has stopped. Um, at 12.36 p.m. the following day, so that's the 10th, right? Yes. She, yes, the 10th. There is a BOL, Be on the Lookout for Maura Murray, which is issued to Grafton, Littleton, Haverville, and Lisbon. Um, and, and I believe her dad right away was pleading that they... Needed to find her, that they need to get out and search. Declare her missing. Yeah. And they were, of course, well, we have to wait. Yeah. We, we don't do that, you know, late in the day, and we don't do that... Is there still like a 48-hour or whatever waiting period that is for I missing people? Know. I don't know. I know it's know. not for children anymore. I mean, if a kid goes missing, the Amber Alerts go out right away. But I think for an adult, there's still a little bit of a waiting period. Yeah. And this is 2004. So things may be a little, the climate of missing persons yeah, might be a be little different, different then. <laughs> At 3.20, a voicemail is left on Maura's father's home answering machine stating that his car was found abandoned. Okay, so we kind of got ahead of ourselves there. But um, his daughter actually contacts him later to tell him that her car was found abandoned. Um, oh, and that's where I read that, that they don't. So he contacted at 544 p.m. that following day, the police department begging them to start a search and they wouldn't do it at that point. Um, at 646 p.m., Mora's family members contact the University of Massachusetts Police Department and request that her dorm be checked. So now we're up to February 11th. So at 8 a.m., the New Hampshire Fish and Game Service, the Murrays, and others begin to search for Mora um, over 36 hours after she's disappeared. Yep. And of course, there's uh, that's one a of the really things, long time. It is, but there was no snowfall in between no, that. There wasn't. And they searched all around for the people. Their first assumption, uh, it didn't really say this in the timeline, but there was wine on the inside roof of the car. Mm-hmm. You know, if they didn't know if that came from the box of wine opening because the box of wine had opened in the crash. But they also found a Diet Coke bottle, they I believe, like laying by the car that had, had some kind of wine. It had wine. It, it had okay. the wine in it. That's and gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it might have been empty and she was just drinking it out of the wine, drinking it out of the Coke. True. Yeah. I, I don't remember if it was laying by the car or in the car. I think, I think it was, it was in near. The car. But they found the Coke bottle that had the wine in it. And. Their first assumption was that rather than get a DUI, 
she f- she fled into the woods the to hide. Yeah. Uh huh. So that which leads me to the next thing, the a police canine in the investigation tracks the scent from one of her rarely used leather gloves, and it follows the scent a hundred yards east from the location where the vehicle was um, crashed into the guardrail. In the direction of a resident's house. And then it stops. And then there was. It just stops in the yeah, middle of the road. Yeah, the trail, her scent trail just stopped in the middle of the road. But it, it, it they don't even know if it was that she was walking to the middle of the road or yeah, if. Or she was taken. Or just this piece of, a piece of clothing was dropped there or something. That's just where the dogs, or the dog followed her scent. Um, and it's possible that the rest of the scent had vanished because it was a couple of days ago at yeah. that point. Her boyfriend and his parents arrive at 5 p.m. the next day, um, the day after her disappearance. Her boyfriend is interrogated in private and then joined by his parents for questioning, but I don't think anyone's ever really looked at no, her No, nobody's boyfriend. really he suspected him. No, nobody really area. suspected him. Um. <laughs> you know, he had, they had a typical, like, l- young yeah, person. Yeah, kind of rocky, where he, I, think she, I think he cheated on her. Oh, great. She cheated on him. You sure. know, there were a lot of reports that she was screwing around with her track coach. Oh, so it would, you know, they had one of those drama. Yeah, sure, sounds fun. Yeah, not no. The police report to both Mora's and her boyfriend's families that they believe she came to the area to either run away or commit suicide, but the family doesn't believe that to be likely. I don't know about the suicide part, but the running away. We'll get into that, but yeah. to me, that's one of the most plausible theories about at least why she was out yeah. there. What's weird, I think I remember that like shortly after her dad found out that she was looking into these uh, resorts or condos or wherever, mm-hmm. that was where they had spent a lot of time, you know, in that in that city. I don't think it was at those exact condos, but it was in that city where they spent a lot of time. Yeah. And like the first thing he blurted out was that she went there to kill herself. Who said that? Her dad. Her dad. Okay. He's like, oh no, she went there to, to end it. And then he later retracted that. Okay. Uh, it says that her later on that night, her boyfriend receives a voicemail message that he believes is the sound of Mora sobbing. His cell phone had been turned off so that he could pass through airport security on his way to help search for her. A new Hampshire State Police investigation traced the call to a calling card issued to the American Red Cross. That seems strange. I've read various things <laughs> on this that it wasn't that night that he got the phone call oh, with the it sobbing. Later? It might have been later. Okay. Well, it says time unknown. Yeah. But it's kind of, oh, it is kind of at the end but of this But apparently known he swears timeline. that was the sound of her sobbing her and that was all that was on the other. It, it's, many believe the call was actually coming from Mara, not the American Red Cross. I don't really get how that plays into it. It is unknown how the Red Cross would have his mobile number or why they would leave a voicemail with no actual messages. It's, it's It sounded to me like it was a calling card that the Red Cross would give you to call. If you were in an emergency If you were in an emergency situation. and that she used that and called him and was sobbing. But why was there no trace of her with the Red Cross? Why does... Right. There would be a record of her being yeah, there. Yeah. And the voicemail has since been deleted, of course. Yeah. That was 2004, so I could see why they don't have it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. They hold a press conference in Bethlehem, New Hampshire on Friday, February 13th. Oh, Friday the 13th. The first known articles regarding her disappearance are published around that time, and they, a family expands their search into Vermont. The Haverville police chief says something to the effect of our concern is that she's upset or suicidal. So they still think that 
at that point she left of her own free will. Yeah. Volition. Um, Fred is now urging the state police to get the FBI involved, which is common in missing persons cases. I think the FBI typically gets involved in those cases, especially if you're thinking that someone crossed state lines. I think that's kind of like it becomes their territory at that point. Uh, Fred later learns that the only FBI involvement in the case was in the form of interviewing some of Maura's friends and family from Massachusetts, but I don't think they've ever really done an investigation from what I recall. But the Haverville police chief discloses that the search is now nationwide at that point. This was February 17th. So this is a good, what, eight days after Mm -hmm. she went missing? Yes. Uh, New Hampshire Fish and Game conducts a second ground and air search. They suspend it shortly after that. Uh, On February 26th, while searching... Maura's older sister discovers a pair of ripped white pair of juices. Is that right? I don't think so. <laughs> juices underwear. <laughs> I don't know. What could that be? I don't know. Juicy. Women's. It well, could be women's. Oh, maybe. Juicy is a... Isn't that a brand name? Yeah, but I'm not, not a from back person. then, not from like 2004. Oh, probably not. I, I believe that's know. supposed to be women's underwear, but oh. it somehow became juicy. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but come on. A white pair of women's underwear lying in the snow on a secluded trail near French Pond Road. DNA tests find the underwear do not belong to Mara. Well, thanks for including that information in here then. Finally, in late February, police give Mara's family the items found in the car. And we didn't mention that one of the bottles that the she bottle bought... Of one of the bottle of Kahlua was, was apparently missing. missing. Yeah. So some speculate that when she realized she was getting into an accident or right after, she must have thrown it out the window. But you'd think they would have found that. Yeah. You'd think they would have searched what would have been a reasonable area yeah. you know, around her that she could have And, and there's people that believe that. that the rag in the tailpipe was her trying to clean up the wine that was spilled before the police got there. And, and then, then just stuck shove it, it in the tailpipe. Yeah, it's like there's snow all over. Stick it somewhere guess. down in the snow. Don't put it in your car's tailpipe. I guess if you're kind of drunk, are you thinking clearly? Well, uh, Butch Atwood said... She didn't seem... She didn't. She seemed shaken up shaken, from the yeah. accident, but she didn't seem like, that'll, like pissed drunk. I think that'll sober, quote-unquote, sober yeah. you up kind of quickly, yeah. too. But uh, also, if you're drinking wine straight out of a Diet Coke bottle, I mean, you'd be pretty buzzed yeah i would think so i think she was pretty petite yeah um athletic but petite uh let's see fred murray has he is searching tirelessly actually he is there every weekend into april searching for her and in may he's notified by the police that complaints of his trespassing on private property have been filed and Basically, if he continues to trespass, searching for her, he's going to be arrested. I, I don't blame him. If, I would never if I had a daughter looking. that was dis, I would be yeah. looking in people's backyards too. I'd be climbing in windows, people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Uh, new, uh, based on a tip, New Hampshire Fish and Game conduct a ground search near where a young person was seen running the night of Mora's disappear- disappearance. <laughs> disappearance. No scent or leads are reported from the search. Yeah, there was there was somebody that said he saw. I believe it was a young figure with like jeans, a dark jacket and a hood, like a light lighter colored hood. I don't remember if it was running or walking on this down the street away yeah, from I remember. the accident. Going weren't they wasn't bl- the person going in the opposite direction of what she would have been traveling? Yes. Okay. And I know that she was seen wasn't she seen getting gas? 
somewhere nearby prior to the accident? Yeah, before the accident. Okay. Uh, so That ties into one of the theories, too. Okay. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And even the tailpipe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're on uh, the same page there. So <laughs> sometime in late 2004, I think late, um, it doesn't give a month, but a man gives Fred, the dad, a rusty stained reddish brown knife that belongs to the man's brother. They're not saying who this is. The man's brother had a criminal past and lived less than a mile from where Mora's car was discovered. His brother and his brother's girlfriend are reported to have acted strangely after her disappearance. Yeah, he believed that she was killed with that knife, so they gave it to him to have that checked out. Apparently nothing came of that, though, no. because we would have heard of that yeah. by now. Um, a service is held where her car was found a year after. And so, uh, and if you've listened to the Missing Maura Murray podcast, when they kind of started running out of things to talk about, they actually have begun uh, covering another missing persons case, Brianna Maitland. Yeah, Maitland. And because there are a lot of circumstances that are really similar. Well, it was similar. a car a car crash and then disappeared after yeah. a car crash. And so the, the Vermont State Police inch issue a joint press release with the New Hampshire police stating that there is no connection between their cases. Yeah. So um, clearly, I don't really know anything about that. I might have listened to the first episode of that, but I couldn't get into it. I was like, that's ah, not Mara. I'm yeah. not into it. <laughs> That's weird for me to say because I just eat up missing persons cases. Um, they it just they continue to do searches in and around the area, but nothing is ever found. No. They say though that in in one particular area, a few miles within where her car was found, in the closet of an A-frame yeah, house, cadaver dogs went crazy, identifying the likely presence of decomposed human remains. But no tests were known to have been conducted on the carpet. Yeah, sample there's a lot of talk of the A-frame house that, with the dogs going crazy there, smelling that. But which nothing... would make sense if she got in an accident and ran into the woods and stumbled upon the wrong house. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think anything ever came of that. That I think they figured out it was why animal they blood. Test it. Oh, maybe that, that's, that's why they didn't I read. test it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So there, there have been some sightings. So I, I think these are probably before and after. No, these are all after. So none of these have been confirmed, of course, though. These are just people thinking that they've seen her, which I am finding happens a lot with these missing persons yeah. cases. And there's no way to know if they just saw somebody they thought was the, the person. Um, a Swiftwater. What is that? I don't know what that is. So 8 to 8.30 p.m. on February 9th. New Hampshire local report. Oh, a Swiftwater, a New Hampshire Hampshire local. Apparently, that's their name. Reportedly, sees a young person moving quickly on foot eastbound on Route 112, about four to five miles east of where Mora's vehicle was discovered. The young person was reported to have been. This is what you were talking about: wearing yeah. jeans, a dark coat, and a light-colored hood. Reports that the person, upon seeing him or her, quickly ran down a side dirt road. But there have been inconsistencies upon interviewing that person multiple times. On February 11th, Mora's boyfriend... Oh, we already talked about that one. He receives the voicemail of her, what he believes to be her sobbing. <laughs> a steak with blonde hair yeah, resembling Mara is seen at a church in Barton, Vermont. A witness says that the woman said her name was Rachel. Yeah, I think it meant Rachel. Okay. Wow. Rachel and took off quickly when the minister started a Father's Day sermon. Hmm. That's interesting. 
a woman resembling Mara is seen at a Cumberland farm store in Hillsboro, New Hampshire, with an older male companion. She is reportedly mouthing the words, help me, but there are no security tapes of the incident available. The sighting was not reported until a few months later when the witness saw photos of Mara on a television news program. And you don't know to take that with a grain of salt or right. somebody wanting attention. Well, and... I mean, the... the yeah, I don't know. The basic... Doesn't mean it's Mara. Yeah. Maybe somebody else needed help, but... But the basic gist of the accident was her car hit snowbank. I, I guess it was a snowbank. Snowbank, yeah. I and said guardrail before, but that was the earlier Yeah, accident. the snowbank and... A couple neighbors witnessed it, so they called the police. Uh, Butch Atwood drove by in his bus, asked her if she needed help or if he should call the police, and that's when she said no. She was very adamant. About yeah, him that she not already called AAA, yep. which she hadn't. But he said that I guess her hair was like messed up, and she, he yeah. said she just seemed shaken up. She didn't seem stumbling drunk. No. And so he went back up to his house, which was a little ways from the accident. Mm-hmm. And the police, I believe it was like nine or ten minutes later that the police came and she was gone. Mm-hmm. The the witnesses from the nearby houses said in that time that cars did go past their house. But, you know, they have no descriptions or because sure. at the time you don't think. You're not thinking I need to remember these cars. Yeah. But that that's the basic gist of the accident. And within that ten minute span, she disappeared and hasn't been seen since. Yeah. So the things that stand out to me to be significant leading up to it, you know, the the weird stuff with her dad aside, the upsetting phone call from her sister aside, the fact that she had things packed up, she withdrew all of her money, almost all of her money. She told uh, her boss and teachers that there was a death in the family and that she would be gone for a few days, you know. It could be that she just wanted to escape for the weekend and just because she there had been some things going on that I don't even have printed here, though, that she had been caught for credit card fraud. Yeah, that got that was and stealing makeup. Yeah, uh, she and that ended was up at getting, West Point. Yeah, she, she ended was up getting kicked West out Point. of West Point. That's where she met her boyfriend mm-hmm. at West Point. She ended up getting kicked out of West Point because of that. For stealing makeup, like five dollars worth of makeup yeah. or ten dollars worth. Of and and or the, cr- the stolen credit card she used to buy sub sandwiches. Food. And yeah. of course, people got into the whole, it was enough food for two people. Yeah. So people are always trying to place someone else in all of these situations with her where we don't have that confirmation. Yeah. Um, and so the the boxing up of the things, the emptying the bank account, telling people she's going to be gone, which also could be her buying herself enough time to get out of town. Um. Those are those are the things that seem significant to me. So do you want to talk about theories? Sure. Okay. So that leads into my first theory is that she intended to disappear. That those things obviously seem to be her setting the yes. stage for going away for a while, if not permanently. Yep. There are, are that that seems to be one of the big theories is that she's still alive. Yeah. That she living did in this. Canada. Yeah, Canada. A lot of Canada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why Canada. I don't know why Canada either. Okay, I guess it's. But easy. then there was wasn't that where the hosts of Missing Maura Murray went when they got the threatening phone calls and people were. It seemed like people were following them. Yeah, like people were following them. It could be where they. Yeah, in I think it was. They went to where uh, people believed she uh, is living under a different name. Yeah. When you think about the stuff that led up to it, too, the car accident, 
whether or not she was involved with this person in the hit and run, the credit card fraud, the having to leave West Point. I think there was like this buildup of stress and things happening. You could see what what was the straw that broke the camel's back that made her. But is that enough to make you fake your own death or whatever? And, you know, my... my do you think ta- she faked her own death, though? Or do you think she was just trying to get away and actually just really got into an accident and... I don't know. My, my take on this whole thing is... You know, there's the romantic notion of faking your own death and moving to a different country or whatever. But realistically, mm-hmm. how easy is that to do? You're going to need a job. You have to know what you you're doing. You have to know what you're doing. And you have a 21-year-old girl. I mean, she's smart. Granted, she's smart. But she also makes bad decisions. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> so, I like to think I'm smart. But yeah. I don't think I could go to Canada and start a different identity. You'd have to give up social media. You'd have to give up. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could that. do that, Kurt. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it seems like it's not a very daunting yeah. task for a 21-year-old girl. You know, the the thinking, the Missing Mora Murray podcast guys said that they think you could realistically move to another state with your same name and be totally fine. I think if you didn't use credit cards and things like that, you probably could. Yeah. If you didn't leave a paper trail. But uh, but this case has blown up so much in the last 10 years that you would think that there would be more sightings or something. Mm-hmm. So there's also a theory out there that the reason she was running away is because she was pregnant. Yeah, because there were searches done on when they checked her computer. She had searched for stuff about pregnancy, about how alcohol affects oh, pregnancy. Really? Yeah. Okay. So And there were rumors that she was screwing around with her coach Mm -hmm. so there are people that think that that, would be quite the scandal yeah there are people that think that she was pregnant and wanted to get away okay um so whether or not she was intentionally trying to disappear or was just trying to go away for the weekend i think that whatever her plan was this accident doesn't seem like it was part of the plan i think that this is not what she intended to happen. And then that threw her off of whatever her plan was. So some people theorize, and this is pretty plausible to me that she got in the accident after she had been drinking, didn't want the police called and was afraid of getting a DUI. And so maybe she heard, you know, nobody talks about whether they came with lights and sirens going. She probably heard them coming from quite a while away yeah, and took off into the woods yeah. to, to hide and, you know, died of exposure. That's the most likely I mean, it's the scenario. most logical, plausible theory. But on the other hand, you know, would she would she have had the time to lock her car doors to take a bottle of Kahlua with her? <laughs> right. Uh, why did why were there no footprints? They searched for her footprints going into the woods. Why were there no footprints? Yeah, that's true. You know, it could have been down the road farther and maybe her footprints weren't visible on the road and she could have Where bolted into searched, the... Yeah. yeah. Uh, why were remains never found? I mean, they searched right. the hell out of those woods. Mm-hmm. You would think that her remains, With a the skull, dog. the bottle of Kahlua, some of her clothes, you would have think something would have been found. Right. I was looking. I, I believe about- that. I think that's the most plausible theory, but there also are too many holes that it kind of makes, it kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm thinking about what the timeline is between when the accident happened and when the police finally left the scene, you know, if she were hiding in the woods, it actually wasn't that long of a time. No. You would think when the scene was cleared, she would have come out. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly cold. I mean, I think it was 
pretty mild. But then what? Her car is like gone. Her car is towed away. Right. So, so she what's has she going to do? Walk with or her bottle of Kahlua. <laughs> right. So she could have, of course, run into an opportunistic. You and know, that's another one of the big theories is that she was killed. Right. Either someone saw her at that gas station and they put the rag in the Yeah, that's the one of the pipe. theories is that somebody... But why would her dad bring that up, though? I don't why know. Why would he know about I don't know. that? But it is a plausible theory that some creeper at the gas station saw, saw her. her and... But then what are the odds that she would get in an accident? Yeah, it, yeah that's not really all that logical, you know, really. No. Um, no. It's not like that would cause the accident. No. So I don't know about that theory. I kind of throw that one out. I think it's more. You know, likely my brother that and I were talking about this yesterday, and he said that would basically have to be the perfect storm of a troubled girl, an accident, and a killer, right? All coming together. You know, but that stuff does. It does happen. happen. It does. <laughs> you know, it really does happen. But I think it's hard for people to, I guess, accept that that stuff happens because it is. It has to be the perfect storm of just shitty circumstances. Pardon my French. <laughs> But, I mean, that's that's usually what leads to these things. Yeah. Um, so, another theory. Well, let's see. I uh, So, people actually theorize that there was another car waiting for her somewhere. Yeah. That yes. she planned on getting out yeah, of her car. Yeah, there's people that think that this accident was faked. That she did so this she on purpose. It. Well, because people say that the damage to the car doesn't match no. how her car was found. Yeah. So, how would you do that, though? I mean, why would you do that? And why would you do that in this area where there's a couple houses where down the road there's there's very desolate stretches of that road where there's no houses. So why would you do that? Well, and how would you do it without nobody seeing that you were turning, you know, I mean, pushing they, a car the people that the people, or... the witnesses that that called the police heard the thunk of the car and looked out smashing the window. into the snowbank. Yeah. You know, so I don't buy the staged accident. No, I don't either. I think it was a legit accident. You know, maybe somebody was going to meet her, and I still feel like the accident was not planned. It wasn't part of the whole thing. Hmm. I feel like we're not getting any closer to, no. <laughs> to the answer. I, I think it's interesting, though, that both of us thought to ourselves, hmm, is there a missing 411 connection there are here? people. There are people <laughs> out there that have pointed out that it's a possible missing 411 connection. Because I, it, there's... It's just... Weird. <laughs> yeah, there's just no evidence that really points to in any real direction yeah. of what could happen. Although with missing 411, there usually is evidence yeah. that doesn't seem yeah. possible. I don't I don't really tie this to missing 411 cases. No, not really, but I think it's worth mentioning because I know people out there are talking about that. And of course, alien abduction. Alien abduction is <laughs> which could tie into the missing 411 yeah. piece, but hey, maybe I don't buy know. the <laughs> no, <me laughs> alien either. abduction. It has to be said though. Um, and you had added to the list of theories here that there possibly was police involvement. Yeah, there was a a witness came like shortly after, I want to say a month, couple months after. Her name was Karen McNamara. Okay. And I guess like the police in town know her and said that she's a, a credible witness. Not the police in town, person. but maybe like people in town know it and said she's a very credible person. But she claims that the night that happened... She was passed by a black and white police <gasps> SUV with yeah. the numbers 001 okay, I remember this. on it. It went blaring by her. And then like a few minutes later, it came blaring past her again, going the way towards the accident. Okay. And she was, I believe she called like her husband or boyfriend or something like that. And she says that 
she remembers they were joking about the number 001 being on there because they said it's a small town. You only need one police car, <laughs> so there should only be one 001. Yeah. So as she gets to the scene of the accident, she says when she went past it, the car was in the position that it had the accident, and she said this 001-numbered police SUV was parked hood to hood. It was parked right up in front of it, touching okay. it. And she said she didn't see anybody there. And she went on towards Butch Atwood's place, and she actually stopped. And this is where it got kind of, uh, was that she said something in her head that her intuition was telling her to go back, that something was wrong, that it was like a psychic premonition. Oh so boy. she stopped. Should have left the word psychic out of there. Yeah. She stopped, and then she continued on her way. And then... So is this thought that this cop actually crashed know. into her? No, that the cop okay. was there. Before any other cops arrived. Yeah. And, and then, then left. Yeah, because Possibly this, cop, this cop was there like five, ten minutes before the first official. Oh, that's... Yes. And she, once she realized the timing of all this she notified the police and said that what she saw and the police told her that that was not possible because the car 001 was out of commission that day but then there's reports that car 002 that was being driven by i th- i believe the chief of police who was known to have a really bad drinking problem oh, drove it into a great. ditch that day so they had to get car 001 out there for him to ride in car 001. So according to other police records, that car was active. Car 001 was active, hmm. you know, hours before the accident. That's really suspicious that yeah. someone saw this car there before the other police yeah. got there. So people theorize that... He picked her up. That, they don't know if he picked her up, but he had been drinking all day, I guess. And they wonder if he didn't do something to her or... If maybe he hit her, no, like she's out of her car, had just had the accident. Maybe possibly. you'd think there would have been blood on the yeah. road, though. The yeah. dogs would have picked up on that. But the police it seems more likely that he was like, well, come on, get in. I'll give you a well, ride. They think that he maybe saw that what happened and then he split because he was drunk and didn't want to get caught well, by other the other cops police. Would be coming. But this is all basically on the word of this one woman, Karen McNamara. Yeah. But that's a possible theory is that they think there was police something fishy. So I, oh boy, I hope I took a picture of this. I found something online myself. I you hope I took a screenshot. <laughs> yeah, I cracked the case. Uh, screenshots. Oh, I bet it's not on here. It was, there, people were messaging back and forth. I don't know if it was in a, a chat room or if it was on a Reddit, whatever. But this guy, and he gave his full name. He and I don't know if he was like a former police officer with the New Hampshire or whatever, whatever. Oh, here is this it? It's this is it. So his name is James Conrad. Ask the state police. They know I have firsthand knowledge of this. I don't know where he left this. Um, and then someone else says, James, what do you do? And he says, I worked on Morris case when I was with the NHSP major crime unit. And this person he's talking to, Al Semple, says, okay, so that's police in the area. He says, the New Hampshire State Police. And the guy responds and says, and they know who, as you said, who took her. And he says, yes. Yeah. So it's not just that they know what happened to her. They know who took her. Yeah. And that would make sense if it were another police officer. And they said that they 
believe that possibly Butch Atwood knows that he did, but he also doesn't want, he knows that they could make his life hell and they could. Well, and he's since passed away. Yeah. So they said that they think that he might've been lying, that he actually saw the first, that 001 police car there, but denied, but just didn't bring it up because he didn't want to deal with the fallout from the police. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that's the, the police thing is a possibility. I mean, I feel like the most likely. What's ex- your What's your theory? I mean, should we get into our personal theories? Yeah, my my personal like this is the most likely scenario is that she was clearly, in my opinion, setting the stage to disappearing, whether it was for a short amount of time or a long amount of time. Either way, she was getting out of Dodge. She had directions printed out to areas that were away from where she was. She was researching cabins. She had given notice that she wouldn't be there because of a false death in the family. I think an accident happened on the way. I do think it's most likely that she either was hitchhiking. She walked to get away from the scene of the accident because she had been drinking. And she either hitchhiked and got away to Canada or she went into the woods. And if she was drinking you know, you kind of misjudge, well, you can misjudge a lot of stuff when you're drinking. As far as train, maybe she fell and got hurt. Maybe she died of exposure. But I feel like that's the most likely scenario. Maybe she made it out of, you know, the area and up to Canada. Maybe she met, you know, a bad guy on the way. Or maybe she died of exposure in the woods. I still think the exposure in the woods is the most likely. But I I just don't understand how they haven't found anything. That's that's what I just can't wrap my mind around. Missing 411. (laughs) There's got to be. There should be remains. I mean, I don't realistically know how hard, like, I mean, if somebody dies in the woods... How well, does the she, body get scattered? And I mean, how I, far, what was the radius that they searched? Because she was very athletic. Yeah, I mean, she, she, could run, she could run records a long for way. running. Yeah. So she could have gotten really far away. There were trails through those woods. You know, I, I just think, you know, she could be in a place that they just didn't search for her. They didn't yeah. think it was likely that she could have made it that far. I think that's the most likely explana- explanation is yeah. that she died of exposure in the woods. Yeah. Uh, it is odd that after how many years now? This is 2004. Yeah, nobody's found anything. That nobody has found a trace no. of her. Not a trace. I honestly don't know what I think. Up until yesterday, my pet theory, and this I was reading that this was kind of disproven, was that she was the one that ran into that Petrit Vasi. That she is the one that hit him. A lot of the people that work at that place she worked at said when supervisors aren't there, a lot of people leave yeah, for errands gone. and come back. Yeah. And was it near where she worked? Yes. Okay. It was relatively near where she worked. She could somebody said she could have ran for a coffee at a at a local coffee shop. Yeah. But that just made everything kind of tie in for me was that she left work. She ran into this guy, didn't know what to do, came back to work. That's why she was distraught. Yeah. I mean, the the whole distraught thing, I don't, I mean, what, it sounded like she was totally 100% shaken up. And I don't see a phone call from your sister making you to the point where you have to have somebody physically walk you back. Right. I think she hit this guy and panicked and didn't know what to do and left the scene. She came back, she freaked out. I think she called her dad, told him what happened. I think he came, and I think that this party with her and that Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Elf, I think it was them deciding what they were going to do. Well, there is a part we didn't even mention. 
People claim that they saw her leave that party with an unidentified male. Yeah, but people also, they don't know for sure because there's all different stories. Some people yeah. say they saw her leave. Nobody can describe the guy. No. But I, I think that the party was maybe those girls deciding what the hell they were going to do that she hit this guy. Hmm. And Coming up with a game plan to help and, her. And, you know, her dad pulled that 4000 out because she was going to need... Help her disappear, Yeah, maybe? no, not necessarily disappear, but I think legal fees. I think that the damage to her car was from hitting Petrit. I think that's why her car was more damaged than they thought it could happen from the accident. Okay. I think in my personal pet theory, I think her dad and those two girls, her friends, Kate and Sarah, might have talked her into admitting she did it. And I think that was going to be a weekend away for them where she was just going to get pissed drunk yeah, and like then a come last... back, come back and admit what happened. That's why her stuff was packed up because she knew she was going to be looking at jail time possibly. Mm-hmm. And, but from there, I don't know what happened with the accident. Yeah, the accident uh, but then I read that... yesterday that they said paint chips didn't match on Petite Vasi and, and her car and that there was busted glass found on them and there really wasn't any busted glass on the car because the windshield was it was cracked, it had like but it yeah, but it, it, it didn't thing. break. Right. Nothing shattered or broke. But then they also said where it was cracked made absolutely no sense because her head could not have hit that high on the windshield. Yeah. But yeah. I just think that makes every, that makes sense is that it ties everything together. Her panicking and freaking out that night was that she hit somebody. Right. And that her friends, from everything I've read, and this could be the interviewer's bias and all that, her dad and Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alfieri come off as really, really suspicious. Really? Like, they know what happened. They know where she is. Really? You know, she told, uh, I think it was Sarah Alfieri that told... Somebody that the only person that she told what happened at that party that night was uh, Maura's dad. He is the only person that knows what happened at that party that night. Hmm. A lot of people are suspicious and of him. Well, and unfortunately, I, I, that guy that was hit has no recollection. At, he was in a no, coma for yeah, months He has afterwards. no memory. But, yeah. but the, you know, like I said, the paint flecks they got off of him don't match the car. The glass makes no sense. And... You would think if that happened, it's like how many years passed? 13 years? You think her dad would have came forward by now and said, look, she hit him. Right, we all were these people are out, putting this time and energy Yeah, we were trying this. to figure out what to do. Yeah. And I, when I first started hearing that there were theories that she was still alive, I was like, no. But now I kind of think she might still be out yeah, there somewhere. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think that those three girls were going to head up and and have a you know big last pisser with their booze somewhere and i think that either kate or sarah or possibly the both of them are the ones that picked her up after the accident yeah although if this whole thing were staged it is kind of the perfect getaway yeah because it looks like an accident and a disappearance and maybe somebody came along right behind her and she one of her friends jumped in and took her someplace far far away and yeah here we are scratching our heads trying to follow these little breadcrumbs and nobody has gotten any closer to finding out what there happened. was an interesting i don't remember if it was somebody's comment on a blog post or if it was somebody's actual blog post but it was a girl saying you know look she's alive in canada or in quebec she's in quebec, quebec she's yeah, happy in quebec said. leave it be 
And somebody pointed out that in this woman's blog, she used a notation for midnight that nurses use. Mm-hmm. And she was, oh, Maura she was, was in nursing, nursing school. school. Yeah, that's right. So people think that maybe Maura herself is the one that wrote that blog saying, just leave it be. Right. You know, she's happy. So right. I don't know. I mean, I, I went from totally saying, no, she's not alive anymore to thinking it's possible. She's, she wanted to get away from everything. Uh, people think she was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what to make of this. I there's think that's just, why this is such an intriguing case. Yeah, because there's case. there's so many different possibilities, but then there's so many different things that shoot those possibilities down that none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do think her dad and Kate and Sarah come off as kind of sketchy. Like they know, in my opinion, I feel like they know she's alive. They know that they, they have contact with her and they kind of just want this drop. They kind of don't want people focusing on this they stopped kind of doing interviews now yeah yeah and like uh i was a james renner somebody said if this was your daughter once you want right all the attention all the attention you can get get on it rather than like get hostile with people that want to interview you or people that want to talk to you i maybe he got tired of people because i think a lot of people really treated him like he was a suspect in this so maybe that's what he got tired of but either way if you didn't do anything wrong, you would you should give out all the interviews you can yeah. if it would bring your daughter home. I mean, that's kind of my pet theory. I don't know what I think. I really yeah. don't. Yours the easiest explanation is that she died from exposure running yeah. into the woods to hide. But right. I just can't imagine there not being a body found by now. Yeah. And and it was a mild 30 degree February. I mean, that is kind of mild. You think in Wisconsin, that's a pretty yeah. comfortable mild winter yeah. day. It would be nothing for her to to just bolt out into the woods. Yeah. But then why is the bottle of Kahlua gone? Is she going to carry that with her? Keep her warm. You know, <laughs> I don't know. The, the people that have the that that favor the theory where she was basically taken by force by a killer say that she possibly brought that took that out as a weapon. Mm-hmm. But then why were her car doors locked from outside? Unless the yeah, unless he incapacitated her and somehow. Then closed, and but then why would he why lock would he her do car that? Door? Why would he care unless yeah. he knew her for some reason? You know, if it were just a stranger, they wouldn't take the time to do that. You know, I, I want her to be alive. I don't want her to be yeah. kidnapped and killed or dead in the woods somewhere. Because that's the end of the story then. Yeah. Although some kind of closure would be nice. Yeah, some kind of closure would be nice. But it just amazes me how fascinated people are by this case. Mm-hmm. And actually, the I don't know, did we mention this before? I know we talked about the oxygen special that's going to be on. But the host of... And we have not said their names once because I can't remember their names. I can't remember their names either. I just say the hosts of Missing Maura Murray. When I hear their names, I know them. But uh, the hosts of Missing Maura Murray actually have a documentary that's going to be coming out soon. Or maybe it even is out already. But their documentary focuses on the fact that so many people are just obsessed with this case. It's not really an investigation. It's about the obsession. This episode from us is just like a real kind of basic primer about what the timeline, the timeline and, and, and what happened i really recommend listening to yes Missing so I, if you're if you're interested in this i mean google her name you're gonna find so you're gonna find james renner's blog you're gonna jump down that rabbit hole yeah if you i did this <laughs> week and i mean there's just like sketchy stuff like people put coordinates out that they said that they could find her body oh boy is yeah. that people just messing with you, you know? don't know because i looked at the coordinates because somebody on i think 4chan or one of those sites just posted this and said bring a shovel And it's like way out off this trail in the middle of the woods. And are you going to be able to, yeah, like near where she disappeared. But it's like, are you going to be able to carry a body and a shovel out that far into the woods to. Yeah. And who would have been out there that night? That would have just been an opportunity. But then with with the missing Maura Murray hosts, 
getting harassed, you know, that makes you wonder what, you know. Somebody in the town knew something and wanted them to back off, you know. And that supposedly happened where she allegedly may have run off to, not where she went missing. So if, you know, she had made acquaintances there who were protecting her. You could see why people. But would. I also think it's interesting that a lot of these possible sightings of her are in Canada. That mm-hmm. you know, people people believe that's where she went is Canada. But then, how easy is it to do that? Well, now you have to have a trail. passport to get into Canada. Yeah. I don't think you did back then, though. Two thousand four. No, I don't think no. you did. But mm. I don't know. That was after. That was after nine eleven. Nine eleven. So I don't know. Interesting. You know, That'd and be good to know. I do like the the theory that she's the one that hit Patrice Bassi, but. I don't know. I, there's just too much against that. You know, it'd be that. nice if somebody from her employer would verify, was she there or not? Who, did somebody have eyes on her at that time no. when that was supposed to happen? You know, and then there was, uh, you don't know if these witnesses can be taken truthfully or not, but there was a, there was a cashier that saw a picture of her I, I believe this was months and months after she disappeared, but there was a cashier that saw a picture and she said that uh, this was her report. I, th- I believe she called the police and she said, I was a cashier. The day she disappeared, I was running late on getting out of my job on time. It was probably 5.45 to 6 p.m. when I was supposed to have left my register. My last customers were three attractive ladies. They picked up some alcoholic drinks uh, I recall them having blue wine coolers because that's also what I drank, and they picked up cigarettes. I ID'd the three of them, and they were all 21 to 23. My supervisor helped me bag up their order. The actions of the three, nothing really stands out now, but there was one that looked like Maura Murray, and she kept nervously looking behind her. The other two just seemed like normal shoppers that weren't upset. I ID'd them. At the time, I wasn't much older than them, so she thinks that the people she saw that day buy more booze were Kate and Sarah and more Murray. But didn't, I thought that this said that the surveillance video in the of a different, store, in a different place only showed oh, her. Yeah. But so this she cashier at this two? other place said that she was there with two other girls and that would have been Kate and Sarah. So this is a different, liquor this is in store. a different liquor store. Oh, okay. And, and people theorize that possibly Kate or Sarah, they believe that one or the both of them were driving another vehicle and that this was them stopping to pick up alcohol. Oh, so maybe somebody was following behind her, like right behind her. It's very possible. But you then why were there no them. phone? I mean, the phone, there was no phone Reception, signal. Right. But, but why would, didn't the witnesses at the two houses? See maybe the they other were just car? far enough behind them that they just happened to come up onto the accident in between the time it was reported and between the police showed up. Yeah, it could be. But then you, you know, and then they probably didn't want to stay for the cops because she had been drinking. Right. So they figured just get in the car and, and, we'll go. and go. But you don't know. That's interesting because I had never heard that account. Yeah, I read that, but you you just don't know. I mean, you don't know if that's somebody trying for attention. You don't know if that's somebody making stuff up. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I, 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 I want to think that she's alive somewhere but i just don't know how feasible it is for a 21 year old girl to go to a new country and start a new life yeah unless that had been unless they had been planning this for a while it's possible i mean we don't really know we only know what um other people have volunteered there's clearly possibly people involved in this who are just not volunteering information yeah her closest friends could know 
a heck of a lot more about the events leading up to it than than has ever been. And recorded. for some reason, don't want to don't want to talk about it. Right, because they're protecting her. Yeah. So I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I <laughs> I haven't really gotten any closer to having a a solid theory about no. what happened. And every so. one of the missing more Murray podcasts I listen to, everything I read just kind of makes it more of a mystery. Yeah. They all kind of just stir the the evidence and stuff around a little bit and look at it from a different perspective, but nobody comes any closer to figuring out what happened and that's why this is so intriguing. Yes, and like like I said, if you want to look this up Missing Maura Murray podcast is very good. James Renner's blog. There's lots of online. I mean, if you type in Maura Murray, if you Google it, you're going to find tons of yeah. links about her. Blogs, all kinds of people. But I would start with stuff. the Missing Maura Murray podcast Me because too. that takes you step by step and it brings in all the people, the possible players in this thing. And mm-hmm. they really analyze everything yeah. pretty, pretty closely. So shout out to them. Thanks for inspiring at least me to dive into that case a little deeper. Yeah, and like I said, these last two weeks, I have done nothing but listen to more <laughs> Murray podcast, look up stuff online, and it's just crazy. Yeah. It, it's literally crazy how much there is, and yet how little, how there, little is. there is to go on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's what it's just fascinating what whatever happened to this girl. Yeah, I don't know. And there's so many cases like this out there. This one just happens to have I don't know captivate a lot of people. So if you guys are as intrigued by this as we are, tell us your theories, you know, join us on the, the strangers, uh, community on our Facebook page and let's talk about it. What, what do you think happened? What pieces of evidence do you think are significant or insignificant? Uh, what, you know, is she alive? Is she dead? Where do you think she is? I'm, I'm really curious to know what other people think. Yes, about I am this. too. So yeah, we'll, we'll post some links. That we mentioned earlier. In when once the oxygen, I think six episode series airs, we'll t- discuss that in our housekeeping. Yeah, definitely. And if you're listening to us on Stitcher, you can listen to the Missing More Murray podcast on Stitcher as well. But I think you can get it through any podcasting app. They're pretty, pretty big. Watch for their documentary on this. Uh, case as well and I, I wish we could say that we solved this yeah. but <laughs> I wish we could I say am, that if there are any developments we'll let you know but I in, am more confused about what happened to her every day yeah me too so Maura if you're listening our ratings would skyrocket <laughs> if you would come on here and <laughs> <Yeah>. get interviewed <laughs> that'd be great yeah let us know <laughs> our number is we don't have a number to post actually I would love to do that get one of those voicemails where listeners can call and leave messages telling stories or what their theories are we should look into that yeah I'd like to have an episode where it's like people's stories where our listeners write in with their stories and we just do that yeah and by the way if you have a personal story not related to a missing persons case or if you have a missing persons case you want us to cover let us know I think a a few different people mentioned cases in the the strangers group um, but if you just have a paranormal story you want to talk about, a personal experience, uh, we'd be happy to read it. Or if you can record it in an MP3 and email it to us, we'd be thrilled to play it on our podcast. So, yeah, let us know. That's that. But you can find us on Facebook, possibly on Twitter, although yeah, there's not going to be a whole lot going on, on there. 
<laughs> um, we're on YouTube, of course. We're Stitcher, every podcasting app that's out there. So just keep watching. Our next episode is episode 10, as we mentioned. Episode 10. And we're going to be talking about our personal experiences that we've had over the years yeah. not related to paranormal investigation. Kurt no. has a lot more to talk about than I do. Yeah. But I mean, I've... Uh, some pretty interesting my, stuff. The stuff from my last apartment. Yeah, that's just, just crazy. just crazy. So that'll yeah. be... That'll be on... Episode 10. Episode 10. Epic so episode 10. Look for that. Yeah. And until then, stay, stay strange. strange.